So Christian Petrarca to give Melbourne the breathing space they desperately need. It's going to take his very best, and that is his very best. Hello and welcome to Deluded, the Melbourne Demons podcast. Neats, we've talked a lot about Petrarca's problems in the big moments, but how good was that goal? It was a great moment, especially because, um, as was well documented, he wasn't kicking very well for the whole game. So he had a couple of howlers. And so just a sort of mental fortitude to uh, go back and kick that goal, even when, um, you know, you know you haven't been performing particularly well is, is obviously he was getting a lot of the ball, but you know you haven't been kicking the ball very well. That's real, that's real mental fortitude, I would say. I think it really shows his evolution as a player. Um, because I think, you know, in earlier times, if he was kicking not great, it's hard to imagine him slotting that crucial goal. But that was a pretty big kick at a very important moment. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'm just really proud of him. So it was it was a good game. It was a solid response to the problems, to the noise that has been uh, hurled in their direction last week. What did you think of the game? I was pretty happy with it, honestly. I mean, look, it's it's Gold Coast, and though they've started promisingly, I mean, who knows how long they'll go this year. But I was pretty happy with the way we played. I mean, I thought the leaders were phenomenal. I thought Gorn was fantastic. Yeah, and I thought Viney really stood up. I mean, just eight tackles, just incredible poise. He was he was excellent. Yeah, and look, I mea culpa, I did say last week that Viney and Oliver couldn't play in the same team together, um, which doesn't look too great after that Viney performance. But what I will say and what I liked about it is I think it is Viney recognizing what he's good at and recognizing his limits a little bit. I think where we struggle is when Viney is trying to stream forward and kick long because he's not that great a long kick. But what he's doing amazingly is using his poise in the contest, which he definitely does have. He's quite hard to tackle. And then kicking these really clever little short kicks, you know. And I think that's him knowing his limitations, and that's great. I agree completely. And I think, you know, Gorn taking four massive contested marks, he looked like the Gorn of 2018, really. That might um, be the best, his best game in a year. I don't know. Just in terms of his around-the-ground stuff. Yeah, he was incredible. And I think, look, there was real. There were, real, there were a lot of positives. I think the defense looked a lot better. Omak's inclusion in the team, to be frank with you, I was a little bit skeptical of, but I really, I feel like I can see his purpose. I mean, he had 100% disposal efficiency, which is incredible. And I think that he also really took the burden off Lever. So Lever just looked a lot better. I mean, like four intercept marks, all of a sudden I started to see why they paid such a high price for him. I mean, if you look at him in Adelaide, he really did need to be, need, he needed to have Talia and, and Hardigan, to be honest, to enable him to do the things that he was doing at Adelaide. And I think- So is Omak Talia or Hardigan in that? I mean, I think he would be Hardigan in that. But uh, <laughs> but in terms of the Talia comparison, Stephen May, uh, I was, still wasn't particularly happy with his game. I mean, late in the game, he really caused some horrible turnovers, particularly by foot. What did you think of Stephen May's game? Yeah, look, I think Stephen May's disposal looked really sloppy. But then the funny thing is you look at his stats and his disposal efficiency was, I think, 92%, which maybe suggests that disposal efficiency is a questionable stat. Um, but yeah, late in the game, he just looked a bit panicked. He looked tired. He looked he? really exhausted. He had a couple of howling handballs. Some of his kicks were just deplorable. And then when he went forward and he just turned the ball over when Cozzy kicked it to him, that just killed me. I don't know. I'm still, 
you know I've never been a big fan of the May trade, particularly when you see the hunchback uh, from Gold Coast, also known as Ben King. His posture is really bad. Is it just me? It's It's really bad. I was like, this guy's meant to be super tall and he walks around with a hunchback. But putting aside the posture issues, I mean, you see someone with as much talent as Ben King strutting around and you see Stephen May, who is 29 and struggling to, it seems, struggling to get through the game and you just question what, what the Melbourne recruiting staff were thinking, but... I don't know, Neitz. I reckon you're way too harsh. I mean, I think May had a really good game last week. This week, look, he made a few mistakes, but defensively he played reasonably. And look, it's not like King was destroying us. I mean, he kicked a couple of opportunistic goals, but... He kicked one, actually, and he missed a couple. Okay. But, you know, I think I think May was pretty decent defensively. You know, look, not everyone in the defense has to play perfectly every game. Um, I still think he's he looks solid enough. Um, and yeah, and I'm glad that Omak's back as well. I mean, look, Joel Smith, I can see why they were playing him, given that he does have um, some pretty unique athletic attributes. But Oscar is someone who really knows his limitations. You know, he's he's a precise kick. He's a very good lockdown defender, and he doesn't try to do too much. And you have to give the coaching staff a bit of credit for picking him, because it's not like there was this groundswell of Oscar McDonald's support from the fans. <laughs> no, that's definitely true. But in terms of people, there was ground groundswell support for Weed. Mm. What did you think of his return to the side? I thought it was solid. Um, I thought he competed pretty well at a couple of points. A couple of points, I think he got caught playing it you know, someone else playing in front of him, which wasn't ideal. But I thought it was a solid return and he kept a couple of, of good goals. Yeah, I think I was really happy with his composure in kicking those goals. Obviously, a lot of pressure on him, given that he's been out of the team for so long and he's been hailed as a bit of a savior, even though, you know, he didn't have a great year last year. Uh, and he made a contest. And I just think we looked a lot better up forward with him in that role. I feel like we looked like we had a system again, you know, like there was sort of against Richmond. I mean, it was the height of hubris for many reasons, but we walked in with no real target in the forward line, no one who was there to crash a pack at all. Tom McDonald was playing up the ground and and Weed, even though he wasn't brilliant by any stretch, but he just gave them some structure. You know, it looked, it looked like there was purpose to the forward line again. And I think particularly Hannon, he didn't get that much of the ball, but some of his kicks inside 50 were exquisite. Um, I thought Cozzy played, he again, didn't get much of the ball, but um, some of his clever tap-ons, you know, like the one to Fritch was really smart. And and Benel just looks a bit more composed and a bit like he's sort of playing a different game, to be honest, to the rest of them because he's so composed. But look, I feel like that looks like a forward line that could actually become a forward line. I mean, I'm not sure if it's a world-beating forward line, but it looks be- far better than what they've had in previous weeks. Totally. It's a competent forward line. And I just think now, particularly if Tom McDonald is injured for a bit, it's an opportunity for Weed to really try and consolidate his spot. And look, he doesn't need to kick several goals a game. If he kicks a goal and creates a really good contest, brings the ball to ground, gets the smalls in, I think that's all Melbourne supporters want right now. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I still don't think this is not a, you know, I don't think this is an overly competitive forward line, to be frank. But I think it's it's a forward line that is useful enough. And quite frankly, you know, as we always have to remember, they will get enough looks at things. Like the reality is, is we get so many inside 50s that at some point, if this forward line can get itself together, it could actually be not bad. Well, Nitz, let's, High praise from me. Let's talk about that. Because last week you called for Goodwin to be sacked. Um, pretty strong call after round five or whatever. Um, what, what do you say this week? So you stand he, by that? I mean, you're all going to mock me for that. And everyone said that I was too harsh, specifically Simon Wilson. I think that's his Facebook pseudonym. I think he's actually known as Simon Fuller in real life. Bit of a shout out to Simon Fuller. Um, 
Well, he told me that I was being way too harsh. Here's the thing, right? I mean, let's be honest here. I just want to pull out some stats here, which I very rarely do. But I think that the stats actually do tell the tale in this particular instance in terms of our problem in converting converting inside 50s. So on Saturday, we were at 41% conversion, which is still not amazing, right? We had 13 more inside 50s than Gold Coast. And we only really won the game at the very end. And the margin was a little bit flattering. For the year, we've been at 38%. And like, let's have a look at Carlton, who no one would suggest that Carlton are world beaters. They're obviously playing okay at the moment. They had a good win over the Gold Coast, uh, over the Western Bulldogs, and they're at, sitting at eighth. They're at 48% in terms of their conversion. So 10% gap. 10% gap. That's huge. So the idea that Goodwin, you know, is has rectified the issue or is, is looking to rectify the issue quite significantly is just wrong. I mean, Carlton is a fairly, is it's by definition an average team and they are sitting at 48%. So I think that that really says it all. We, we are quite far off even being an average team converting inside 50s. No, and, I- and until Goodwin can make serious... Uh, inroads in that department. I'm not sure why we would all be thinking that Goodwin uh, should be sticking around because I, I don't know if there's any signs that we'll be really progressing up the ladder. No, I agree with that. And look, I think obviously the selection was better this week, but I think frankly, every supporter was calling for Wiedemann to get back in, for Jetta to get back in. Um, so, you know, it's not like Goodwin was doing anything that revolutionary, although, you know, props to him on the on Ask McDonald call. Um, I mean, I would say that in terms of the selection issues, let's be clear. I mean, Neville Jetta, I love Neville Jetta and I always have, but he kind of got a bath from uh, from a first gamer in Isaac Rankin. I think that's way too harsh. I mean, look, Rankin, two of his goals were just complete freak goals. You know, like what do you do? About He's a star. Goals? He's an absolute star. The uh, third, and the third goal, one was, was Jetta was poorly positioned. But he looked really dangerous at all times. That's yeah. the thing that kills me. He just looked like he could have – I mean, that fourth potential goal was from Clayton Oliver's uh, – um, feel like penalty against him, which was quite unfortunate, I would say. And I think the last potential goal, Hibbard was on him. But I think, you know, maybe it wasn't a bath, but he did look like, he looked, just looked likely at all times, really. Yeah. Look, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Jeddah had a great game. I think he only had five touches, but um, he's still, a backline clearly looks more solid with him in there. I agree and, with you that. you know, if you're playing on small forwards, sometimes they're just going to kick a couple of good goals. I, don't I would rather him than Trent Rivers. But can we just talk about Isaac Rankin? What a star. I was obsessed with him uh, in his draft year. Yes, this is the moment where I talk about how I liked him before everyone else did because I'm a super hipster. <laughs> but I um, – slash I read too many of uh, – I, I listen to too much like real footy podcast and they did like a profile on him. But anyway um, – He's a star, isn't he? Yeah. He looks incredible. And he's got a good voice as well, doesn't he? He, he plays a bit of guitar. He's a bit of a cool Yeah, we've character. gone into the depths of his Instagram, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's going to be so good. He's and good so exciting. It's, it's actually, it's nice to watch, right? Like, he's the kind of player that, you know, if anyone's going to kick a goal against you, you want it to be him. He's great to watch. I, I mean, I just, I just wish we had him, but obviously that's not possible. But can we just talk about how good that draft was? Because, I mean, that draft is looking to be incredible. Sam Walsh might be the worst of them. Which so is the truth. Sam Walsh was pick one. Yeah. Then Jack Lacocious was pick two. He yeah. looked his foot skills are just sublime. Right. Then you've got Rankin. Then you've got Max King. Then you've got Connor Rosie. And then you've got Ben King. Then you've got Bailey Smith. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like that top Taren seven. Thomas. And then Taron Thomas. You've just got an amazing top eight already. It's, it's one of the only recent drafts that we haven't had a high pick in. Right, because right, we went in God, Stephen May. Anyway, I'm not still bitter about that trade or anything, but look how good that draft is. It's oh, insane. You couldn't go wrong with any of those. No, drafts. they're all guns. And like they all just look amazing. So I don't know. I'm just bitter. Anyway. Let's talk about another high draft pick, um, Angus Brayshaw. Now, I have to admit, I'm a bit concerned about what's going on with him. So he had 12 touches in this game. And we did a little bit of deep statistical analysis this we, week. We started doing that now. As you might have noticed. Um, and the the reason for that is I think most Melbourne supporters like us have this kind of instinct that he's being played out of position, isn't really getting many opportunities. Maybe that's why he's not doing that well. I want to put to you, so I went through and I watched um, every single centre bounce Um this is what happens when you're not working. Um, and uh, Angus Brayshaw was in 50% of the centre bounces, the same amount as track, and only three bounces less than, uh, than Jack Viney. So he's in the centre bounce a lot of the time, like certainly not as little as, as it seems. He had 82% of game time, which is more than Viney, who yeah. played a dominant performance. I mean, you have to wonder what's going on with And he had 12 possessions. And he had 12 possessions and he had no impact. And I think his kicking efficiency was something like 40%. Yeah, that's a little bit concerning. I must admit, I've been of the view, which is, oh, poor Gus, he's a bit lost. Goodwin doesn't know what he's doing with him. He's, you know, he's starting on the wing and and he definitely is starting on the wing when it looks like their first choice is Viney, Track and and Oliver. But I didn't realize how many center bounces he was actually attending. Yeah, definitely. And look, at the end of the day, he's not going anywhere. It's not like we've got some great replacement in the reserves, or really any replacement. I don't think Tom Sparrow is going to push Gus out of his position. But I'm kind of a bit confused about what the coaches can do with him because he's in the middle a lot. Yeah, I just think he he just doesn't look like the player he was in 2018, does he? I mean, in 2018, I just have these vivid memories of um, him and Oliver. Gorn would tap it down to either one of them, streaming forward, kicking into the forward line, and it all just looked like it worked. It was all in sync. Um, now that's just completely gone away. I can't, I can't remember him streaming really because he's such no, a good runner. No streaming. No streaming. I mean, he, but he's such a good runner, right? That's his yeah. thing. He's an excellent runner. He doesn't tire unlike the rest of them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, defensively, I think he's okay, but he's not as good as he was before. He used to be a really like brutal, hard-hitting tackler. Aggressive tackler, right. And, and that's one of the issues I'm having. And let's talk about another player who's slightly less high profile, slightly, but not to Melbourne supporters, James Harms. I can't really figure out what his role is. Well, I mean, he's another one. I mean, he gets, um, I think, a quarter of the center bounces. So he's getting a fair bit of time in the middle, maybe a bit less than he did in 2018. Yeah, look, I I just think he looks okay. You know, he's not playing badly. He's getting his, you know, close to 20 touches. He's okay. He's just not very damaging. Um, And I don't really know what they do about that. Because for a time, he was quite good as as a forward, and he kicked a few goals. Then he was good as a tagger. Now he just seems like just another midfield rotation and he doesn't look that damaging, does he? Yeah, but the thing is, as you say, there's just no one to really replace them with. I mean, Mm. Tom Sparrow, it doesn't sound that. I mean, he's just like what a bull, just like the rest of them. I don't know. I I just think we have to obviously persist with it. But it would be – and look, I mean, we did win the game, so that was – obviously a highlight, but it would be nice to have a midfield that looked a little bit more in sync. And obviously one of them is always going to have an off day, but you just really want Gus. I just wanted the ball to be in Gus's hands more than in Viney's hands in terms of, you know, we're we're not getting any of those streaming forward kind of kicks, kick goal. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think I really think Gus is the missing link because if Oliver's getting every bloody clearance, if Viney's getting these neat little chip kicks and a lot of good clearances, and then if Gus is streaming forward and track, that's a pretty good midfield. That's right? a great midfield, but I we just need him to lift. But he, um, I did think that <laughs> Track's attempt to stream forward at the at the last quarter was quite comical. You have well, to say it looked good until he kicked it. I mean, yeah, yeah. and then there was the uh, there was the goal that he missed in the goal square. Yeah, he, he made a few mistakes, but let's <laughs> let's go back to the positive things. No, uh, for what sure. What made you smile this week? Harley Bennell, very simple. So, look, I mean, I think most Melbourne supporters wouldn't necessarily think that he did all that much, but that last uh, goal was just beautiful. It just, it just the whole moment was the very last beautiful. Goal was beautiful. It was no, a set shot from twenty meters out. You know what I mean? The the moment was very beautiful, it right? Was. We're not callous people on this podcast, even though our negativity would suggest otherwise. But it's um. It's just a really – that was a really beautiful moment. You can tell how much he's been through. I thought Mitch Hibbard uh, – Mitch Hibbard – Michael Hibbard's uh, sort of salute to his brother was really beautiful. It was it was really quite a touching game. Though they did celebrate a little bit like they won a grand final. Yeah, but, you know, they've been under pressure all week and I understand it. Um, yeah, the Benel thing, he just – he has this great way of just getting space from his opponent every time he gets the ball. And – like all super graceful players, it doesn't look like he's trying that hard, but he just gets this two or three meter gap. He, his kicking is beautiful. It doesn't look like he's running that hard, to be honest. Yeah. So it looks like he's just kind Maybe of chilling and dropped. jogging. I know. Well, it's but the thing is, is that Pendlebury looks like that, yeah. right? Obviously, Bennell's not like Pendlebury. Travis but Travis Johnston used to look like that. Yeah, they just don't look like they're really running all that hard, but or working all that hard. But they yeah. just kind of look like they're cruising, just gliding like Simon Black. I don't know. I'm I'm so happy that Bennell's in the team, and he's got to stay in the team for the rest of the year, depending I, on his body, obviously. But. You know, I agree, and I think we can't expect that much of him in the first half of the season. What I would like, however is if we start to see um, start to see him really put some stronger performances together at the end of the season because, I mean, he's come back for such a long period off due to injury. But I do think – I am very glad he's in the team. He just looks skillful. Right. <laughs> so for me, it's what made me smile, the winner of this week's Rowan Bale Award for most underrated performance, um, Aaron Vandenberg. Some of his efforts, particularly late in the game, his, his tackling, um, the little pressure things he does – uh, he he's just like a tank, isn't he? I'm going to get stuck into you here because during the game, <laughs> you were questioning the purpose of Vandenberg. Well, I still question his use of the ball because you'd have to struggle to name a really damaging possession he had this week or last week. But the thing I'll say about him is his defensive impacts are so team lifting. And the thing I've realized looking at the stats is he only actually had 47% game time. So I was wondering, I was like, well, he's not getting much of the ball, 11 touches, not great. But 47% game time, 11 touches is pretty handy. It's not bad. And I just, the thing I like about him is he's just, he hurts people. Yeah. I love him. They just crash it's into him and it's like, picket about him, doesn't he's he? just yeah. huge. I quite love it. It's just, and I feel very, I think as any Melbourne supporter, when you see Aaron Vandenberg chasing after um, the opposition player, you just get sort of heartened. Yeah. You just know that he's just going to kill him. Oh, totally. I love it. I love it. Look, I mean, I do think he's going to need to be more damaging with the ball because, you know, there's very few players in good teams that have had, you know, um, 11 touches a game regularly and consolidated position, but great performance and a very Rowan Bale performance, I would say. Um <laughs> next week against the Hawks. Huge game this season. Huge game. And look, it's funny because we beat the Hawks last year when we weren't going particularly well, right? Um, I just. thought Just. It's true. I mean, the thing is, is that Hawthorne will be pretty revved up. I mean, Clarko just got held to his lowest score ever, which mm. is always a motivating thing for him. Um, Kane Corn said that 
Kira and I are big fans of the round so far, as you can possibly tell, but Kane Corn said that Clarko's game plan was awful and stale and, you know, so look, there's going to be a lot of heat on Hawthorne because they performed so poorly against um, Collingwood, which is always a great time to be against Hawthorne, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about playing them right now because Hawthorne does play this very keepings off precise style and that has been the style that has broken us down this year. So, you know, it's not a great time to be against the master coach. But, you know, we've got a bit of momentum and if we can pull this off with a pretty close to unchanged team, the season starts to look not too bad, does it? Yeah, I agree with that. And look, I mean, I don't I think that we we don't match up too badly against them, right? Like in the midfield, for example, we really should destroy them in the midfield. I mean, I just don't think their midfield is that great. Obviously, Tom Mitchell is awesome, but aside from him, they just don't look that damaging. Tom Scully, your favorite player from an opposition team, doesn't look like the player he was at GWS. To be clear, he's not my favorite player from an opposition team. I just think he's a good player. Um, but, you know, he doesn't look like the player he was. I mean, has Chad Wingard done much this year? I don't think so. I think he had um, one really big game a couple of weeks ago, but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm still a bit worried about our forward line. I mean, it is putting a lot on weed with McDonald likely out, presumably with his eye injury. Um, so I hope they bring in Mitch Brown this week. Uh, give him a go, second target. Also give Max Gorn a bit of a rest because he really had to ruck the whole game. Um, so I think that would be good. What do you think about Lockhart, Neitz? Oh, okay, so I think Lockhart looks sprightly and enthusiastic. <laughs> So patronizing. It's not patronizing. I said he looks sprightly and enthusiastic. But? I, I don't know if he's in our first choice team. <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of I liked him better as a forward like he was last year. Um, but at the moment, he doesn't seem like he's getting a huge amount of impact either as a defender or offensively. I think he had four possessions. I wouldn't mind giving Jaden Hunt a go again in defense. What do you think, Nitz? I'm dying of laughter because we, we go through this rotation of Hunt, Lockhart. It used to be Stretch, Neil Bullen. Neil Wagner. Bullen, Wagner. Did Neil Bullen go up to, to the hub? Oh, he must have. Yeah. Yeah. Could we bring in Neil Bullen? In no, we're not bringing up Neil Bullen. Neil Bullen is not back in the team. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, poor Josh Wagner's sitting in, in Victoria training with the other eight. What happened to Corey Wagner? Yeah. He's also with Josh Wagner. Oh, really? Yeah. Both Wagners got left in Melbourne. Yeah. Who else is in Melbourne? All the listed players are just sitting Oh, there that's so harsh. Who? just training with Darren Burgess. Hang on. <laughs> who else is in Melbourne? I think Proust is in Melbourne. Uh, I don't know who else. There's eight of them. I don't know them, yeah. That was always going to happen, though. Proust was always going to stay in Melbourne. Poor Proust. Um, geez, he really got sold a lemon, didn't he? He got told he was going to come here and be... Max Gorn's protege and, you know, be a second ruckman, be a forward. Is Luke Jackson, Luke Jackson's in Sydney, I assume. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So look, I would consider maybe dropping Lockhart for Hunt. But I mean, look, if they just do the McDonald for Mitch Brown thing, I think that's fine. Keep, keep a kind of consistent team. Winning team. Keep a winning formula, you know. Um, yeah, but that's it for this week's Deluded. Very excited about next week's episode, Nates. Yes, very excited, actually. Yeah. Um, we'll have uh, Tom Morris from uh, Fox Footy on, um, big Melbourne fan. Um, so that should be pretty interesting. And uh, on our Facebook, if you join our group, uh, Deluded, the Melbourne Dems community, please uh, drop us any questions you want us to ask him. Uh, we'll be good to see what he thinks about the days. Yeah. You're really good at selling this podcast, Kieran. You're killing it. Oh, I thought that was good. Right. <laughs> um, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Uh, leave us a rating and a review if you get a chance. 
Uh, and until next week with Tom Morris, go Dees. Go Dees.